All right, welcome back to Poems and Whiskey. Uh, I'm Michael, and uh, if you're new here, this is uh, a podcast where we we talk to poets about themselves, their work, and uh, whatever else. Uh, tonight I have Mara, it's Jebson, yes. right? Last name mm-hmm. Jebson? All right, awesome. Uh, Mara, give everybody, you know, a rundown on who you are, what you All do. Right. Um, well, I'm Mara Jebson. I, I live in Brooklyn. Um Oh. I am a I'm a writer. I would primarily a poet. Um, I, I teach. I've been teaching for a really long time at this point. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I grew up in Philadelphia and in uh, in Togo in West Africa, but I've been in New York for about I guess 21 or 22 years. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I do. <laughs> I I guess I mean I have I, I do have like a you know a website that I did update the other day. Yeah, I uh, I saw the, <laughs> I the, the, the new update on your website. Ever. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, here's an opportunity. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I think that's exciting. Is I mean, uh, you know. We have our your friend John, who like gave you yeah, a yeah, connection yeah. here, um, and he's gotten me back into submitting poems, which was something I was writing them for the longest <laughs> time and I wasn't sending them anywhere, and so they're finally kind of starting to kind of be out in the world again, and so that's super exciting. Yeah, um, John's good like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's really so enthusiastic. Yeah, he's good at uh, pushing people out of their comfort zones. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so it's it's summer, so this is like the easy time for teachers, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and I'm not, you guys start your your school in the September-ish. Uh huh. Yeah. So like, there's like a bit, yeah, yeah, a bit more time yeah. left. Um, you know, I mean, I think of having the, the the thing that every everyone who's a teacher has at this particular moment, and even if you're not a teacher, where you're like, did I really? Did I do enough <laughs> or did I rest enough? Yeah. Um, no. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> Quite dead. Um, but but I don't know. I've gotten better at like kind of letting 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 it be, you know. Um, yeah. So where do you teach? Um, I teach at NYU. I teach the um, introductory writing course. Uh, they're to Tish students who are um, like dancers and game designers and film students and um, they're just a whole bunch of very you know young artists and um, you know it's it's exciting so 20 years huh (laughs) and you bounced you said you came from um, Africa like you've you've traversed yeah (laughs) I think probably like one of the more well-traveled right. people. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I, you know, I, I was I was born in Connecticut, <laughs> and uh, and I, when I was about like a little little kid, my mom um, she took me to Benin, which is another country in West Africa, um, mm. and she was she was studying um, the like oral traditions of the kingdom. Well, that's not what she was doing at first. At first, she was just going to see her friend. And then um, she ended up, like, kind of getting interested in this griot, um, which is this sort of 
historical storyteller um, who had just memorized all of the stories of his own um, people. And yeah, and so she got really, she was, you know, she's about like, I don't know, 30 or something. She's pretty young at the time. And she got really interested in that. And then she decided she wanted to go to grad school and study folklore um, and kind of figure out, you know, how to like, sort of do something with what she was learning there. And, and um, so then she moved back to Philadelphia, or not back to, to Philadelphia for the first time to do a PhD program. And she took me with her. And so I lived in Philly with her in a little apartment um, in Center City for like eight years. And while she was in grad school, she met this other, this scholar from Togo, which is another French-speaking country in West Africa, right next to Benin. And yeah. they fell in love, got married, and um, he had to go back to Togo um, after he had finished his, his schooling because, you know, they didn't want to be accused of brain drain and all that sort of thing. So he was like, was the conditions of his Fulbright, he had to go back. And he wanted to go back. Um, and yeah. so he took my mother and me and my new little sister uh, with him. And... I moved to Togo when I was 13 and lived there until high school and then came back to the States for college. Oh, wow. (laughs) God, how was that move like 13 to damn? That's a bit of a culture. No, it was enormously shocking. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, the main thing was language. You know, I mean, I mean, there's so many things, but the the main thing was language. Um, I feel like so they kind of told me like, oh, you know, um, you spoke French when you were a little girl. It'll all come back. And, you know, <laughs> did it did it now. <laughs> and then the, but the main thing was, was that you, you can operate in in Togo with French, which did eventually come back. But that's not what people are speaking in the street. They're speaking my stepfather's first language, yeah. which is Eve. So there was like layers and layers. Like first I had to figure out the French in order to kind of, you know, operate at all. And then it was like there was yeah, still a lot yeah. going on that I was like, oh, I don't, wow. I don't get it. Yeah. So, but I learned a lot and my sisters and brothers are from there and um, I've gone back, you know, many times and it's... Um, you know, it's kind of an important part of what I think about, anyway. Um, yeah. And and I I, I, do, I will say, and I, w- I won't I won't say that I have this from there. It might be that I have this separately, yeah. but like the there is an interest in musicality in terms of people speaking. Like people yes. really think about how to tell a story like everyone I was around would think about how to tell a story and like the sounds I don't know that's it's kind of a no that's really to, that's really fucking yeah cool. so I, I do think that I was just around a lot of music some of which I did not understand but that I could just kind of hear yeah. um uh like people caring about language really really deeply and my parents both cared a lot about language. And they both spoke like five languages. I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lord. But they, they, they spoke a lot of languages. <laughs> in, uh, in, 
in the person I am in my head is a polyglot. Yeah. <laughs> in reality, yeah. in reality, I know uh, English and a smidgen of Welsh and Welsh. just the 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 yeah Welsh. I um I uh, picked up uh, Welsh when I was doing uh, like familial research, mm-hmm. and I was looking for uh, a, a foundation in some sort of history because in uh in in my particular uh growing up there wasn't a lot of culture for anything there we are interestingly bereft oh but that's not possible (laughs) 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 but i I understand i think i understand what you're saying yeah so yeah well i mean um, yeah. So, so then you got interested in, in Welsh, which is like, that's a challenge, yeah. right? Isn't it? A particular. I actually, actually, I don't oh, find it all good. that challenging. Um, I think it's fascinating. And I want to learn um, the whole gambit, not not just the Brythonic, but into the Gaelic. Mm. And um, I'd love to learn Irish. And I'd also love to learn, you know, Russian and all, all that I can. But right now, right now, I'm only doing, <laughs> right now I'm only doing Ooh. Welsh. Um, and oh, and Japanese, okay. because my kid, my kid decided that he wanted to learn um, Japanese for his language lessons. Mm-hmm. And um, like, oh, I'm like, OK, yeah. sure, that's random. But I mean, I went through a Japanese phase uh, when I was a little bit younger than him. And I'm um, like, sure, we can do it. Now he's on like 300 and some, like 330 some odd days mm-hmm. of, of doing Japanese in a row. And now he's starting to pop up with Japanese words and sentences and his random, yeah. <laughs> random speaking throughout the day. And I have to keep up with that. Yeah. Like, yep. That's what that word means. So he has someone to, yeah, to sort of, he has, someone has to hear it, right? It's not, it's not fun to yep, say a word yep. if no one. Um, exactly. So that's really fascinating. I, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I think about my, like, I think it's so impressive that they have these languages. Not not so much impressive. That's not, it's not that it's impressive because if you're young enough, you can just get them, you know? It's like, it's yeah. like, <laughs> what I would yeah. give for, like, a brain that was 13 years younger, you know? But I always, I always think, like, well, what, what language are they thinking in now? Or, like, you know, like, yeah. or, like, what... Does it occur to them at different moments to kind of like think, oh, well, I would have said that differently or I would have thought about that differently if I had said it in a different. So they spoke to each other in French and that was neither of their first language. Um, So I thought thought that was really interesting, too, in terms of just like romance. (laughs) Like, I can't can't imagine (laughs) having a romance in like my second or third language. <laughs> That's really yeah. cool. I wonder what I wonder what the inner dialogue yeah, sounds like. Right. You know how a good portion of people have like a, a, a dialogue yeah. inside their heads, and um, I wonder what language that they talk to themselves in. Well, like you know, I can ask, right? But it, it, I, it it's just oh, having yeah. these, um, you know, having so many options seems kind of interesting. Um, but I remember I I used to. I mean, I've been so madly in love with English that it it was partly what was hard for me to get the French when I was 13 is I didn't want to. I wanted to keep, you know, I wanted to keep like reading books in English and speaking English to people and I was very like um, I started feeling like English was like my like house or like my skin or something. Like it was huh. and I got very 
um, attached to it. And so, um, yeah, I was kind of resistant. But now I, I, I like thinking about the fact that, like, even if you just speak English, you can speak, like, 10 different Englishes. You know, yeah. like, that yeah, yeah. is that there's so many Englishes anyways that it's already... Um, it's already a lot of translation. So, I don't know. Um, no, that's cool. Like, how how does how does the, the, all the different languages and the storytelling, mm-hmm. how does that feed into how and what you write? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll look at a poem and I'll think, hmm, that is definitely a poem in English. And I would not know how to write that mm-hmm. poem in French because my French is not good enough to be for me to be writing <laughs> poems in it, you know. But that I'll think that, like, it's possible that there's something a little bit about the grammar or the construction or the shape of it, like, that isn't coming from English. And I don't know, I don't know what I mean by that, honestly, but it's just like this sensation that there's like another language hanging out, (laughs) like ghostly hanging out on top of the Yeah. So I I can't prove it. Um, But I think, I think (laughs) that's in there. Um, and for storytelling, I mean, I don't know. I, I've, I've had a crush on every single other, um, not say every single, but like almost every other art form. Like I've, I wanted to be like a playwright. I wanted to be a novelist. I wanted to be an, uh, an essay writer. I wanted, I wanted to be a, like, not be, but I wanted to paint. I wanted to dance. I wanted to sing. I wanted to do like everything. And I'm not really good at any of those things like the only thing (laughs) can really do is write a poem every once in a while but um (laughs) these there was something when i wanted to be a to do plays where i was like oh i feel like i have a lot of different voices in my head you know just from yeah yeah yeah. and then from different places that i had grown up and so i thought that that would translate very quickly into like oh i'll be able to write a play no it did not in fact that was really (laughs) really that was a painful one um i was like wow no no person in the world would say these things that i have written for these people to say you know like very very fake um but but I think that having the different voices is, is is something that helps when you're composing a poem because yeah, it's like, um, it just helps the poem not get boring, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see that. I think a lot of your, uh, that the, you were talking about how the, like other languages can, can hang around mm-hmm. in, in poems, like in, uh, in, in the alphabet. Mm-hmm that 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 you put out like h- how the other words will you know hang out with their uh cousins oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and siblings yeah. and whatnot in inside one word yeah. like it's a little family in each in each in each letter oh that's really cool that you noticed that yeah i i was thinking about how i think everything is cousins <laughs> i think like words are cousins with each other and i was i think i think poetry yeah. is cousins with you know, painting and playwriting and, and uh, yeah. all, like I sort of, I sort of think of everything kind of existing in these like families. Um, 
and that yeah i don't know exactly where that comes from either but that's a big cool you noticed that that's it that's that's a really interesting thing to explore um how did how did you get into poetry or rather how did poetry get into yeah you? like um well i didn't it's funny because you know you can tell a story starting at any point and ordinarily i would be like okay yeah well i didn't like it in high school um it wasn't you know nobody thought it was cool i didn't think it was cool no, <laughs> i didn't i was like okay i was not a, i was not a poet in high school and then I got to college and I had always wanted, I always, like, I, when I was really little, I wanted to be Mariah Carey before I understood that I didn't really sing that well. <laughs> so I really, I really wanted to sing. I really, like, really wanted to sing and would sing at, like, talent shows and stuff and kind of do okay, but, you know. Yeah. Um, and when I got to college, I met this, um, I met this guy who was starting up a, like a spoken word cafe off of off campus of the college, and it was it was called the Blue Roach, and it was kind of kind of a radical thing actually because the college itself was, you know, pretty it was sort of interested in science and it was kind of it wasn't like uh-huh. this is like a sort of a different thing that was going on and. Um, I don't, I don't remember how somebody put me in touch with him and he was like hanging out in somebody's like apartment and fooling around with a keyboard. And he was like, you know, would you be, want to be part of that? Or I said, I want to be part of that. And I was like, maybe, but, um, I would like to practice with you first. Cause actually I'm really scared about like, just, you know, getting up in front of everyone. I wanted one per one, one human yeah, being yeah. to say that's not embarrassing before they actually yeah. like got up in front of a room of people. So it was like one person and he had the, ca- the, the piano there. And so what I, like I said, I really wanted to sing. So I had written a song and, but I, I realized that I couldn't really sing most of it because I can't sing that well. <laughs> <laughs> So I started putting this thing together where I would sing a couple of the lines that were easy to sing, you know, not too challenging, and then say a couple lines. And he started playing the piano. And so we made this thing that was like kind of a song and kind of a poem. And he he was like, this is this is going to blow everybody. This is like, this is going to be amazing. You know, I don't know if it was when I look yeah. back, like, you know, I was 18, but, <laughs> but he was like, this is, this is fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, I, I did it and it, it really did go over really well. Like, you know, and it was, so it was this, this thing that I invented because I didn't know how to sing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had written these lyrics, you know, um, yeah. Do you still have it? Do you still have that um, uh, that old? No, I I think it is embarrassing. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it was like a come on, fun. embarrassing. Why? Come well, on. No, I not, mean, not for I mean, just I mean, there's not the use, 18, but you know, but it was it was. It was well, you know, it was you know, I'll tell you what's embarrassing about it is like it was like about a sort of romantic experience. Like I think I was listening to a lot of Fiona Apple or something. And it was like, 
about something very intense that I had like not myself ever experienced and didn't know anything about. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at eighteen, kind of at eighteen, you thing. know. Um, so that's kind of how it started, and then they they had. Um, it was really an amazing. I kind of stepped right into the middle of amazing stuff because there was a. Um, um, there was a place called the Mary Lou Williams Center for Black Culture, and there was a, uh, a a guy there called Philip Shabazz, who was the artist in residence at that time, and he was really interested in like making a little movement, um, and so he would invite all of these poets down from New York to come and like be featured he got like a grant or something or he got the university to pay for it and they would come down and they would be like really big deal new york poets who, who would come down and they would like perform in this coffee shop and a couple of kids in, in college with me we just we formed a little group and we would perform and we would sort of like help each other out and we would perform you know for for like college students and we get get to perform in front of these famous poets sometimes because they came down you know and it was it like all just started started (laughs) trying to line up you know um and it was very performance oriented but it was really um it was like it was one of those things where you like you look back and you're like i don't know how i got that lucky to like walk into that you know um that's really cool that you started like it started out as as music yeah that's fascinating yeah um, and I'm really, I'm really interested. Uh, like I, I've, um, I'm still in, in, in hunt for, for a few, but I've had, uh, I've had one or two musicians actually come on and I'm, I'm really interested in, in the cross, uh, meeting of, of poetry and, and music because it, it's, it's certainly mm-hmm. linked. I mean, it's, it's, it's 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 almost like a conjoined mm-hmm. twin, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I've had to come back to it because um, when I started teaching, I learned a lot from, um, you know, the people who were teaching me how to teach were amazing writers, and so I learned so much about writing when I was sort of in teaching training. But mm. I did find I did start kind of thinking of, in terms of essays because that's what I teach, and essays Mm -hmm. it's like you kind of you're kind of trying to figure something out it's it's like like it can be super beautiful but you're trying to like you know get some kind of answer to a question or something and i think for years i was then using poems that way like i can use the poem to figure Mm -hmm. out some kind of question or problem that i'm trying to figure out you know like um and that was very cool, but I think at a certain point I realized I was like, I'm trying too hard to make sense. Uh, and I lost some of the music, you know, and then it was like, that that's not necessarily yeah. what people come to poetry for is to watch you kind of like pick a lock. Yeah. Like, oh. You know. Like, yeah. I, yeah. uh, that's funny that you bring that. I literally, okay, so I'm also, I'm reading, um, Oh, I'm going to have to get it out of my bag. One second. I'm so bad with titles and names. Hold on. Uh, uh, Recklessness uh, uh, by uh, Dean Young. Uh-huh. And uh, let me pull it out so I don't fuck up the quote. <laughs> Although it would be on par. 
Uh, let's see. I've just reached a section where he's talking about, like, Dada-style poetry. But, let's hmm. see. Um, because we just... Yeah, okay, so... <clears throat> he's uh, talking about um, Rimbaud and romanticism and whatnot. Is um, to make the usual unusual and the unusual usual, thereby opening the locks between the ordinary and the extraordinary and illustrating ways of knowing and experiencing outside rational systems. Yes. Yes. And I'll, I'm loving yeah. this book. This book is fucking fantastic. Who's this again? Dean Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's really like, it was like really kind of going the wrong direction trying to make so much sense. You know, yeah. Um, so, anyway, like you lost some of that like primitive, yeah. that 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 primitive gutturalness that's that's kind of inherent and what you look for in poetry and music. Yeah, the, the this something. Hmm, yeah, I don't know something lower, deeper. Um, yeah, but I, I think I think I'm getting it back, and so it's it's been it's been very it's been very fun to um, kind of like privilege music again um yeah and, and kind of see see where it where it takes you um what, yeah. what kind of music gives you the most uh well so then the funny thing about this too is i know all these people who are such like music heads and i am really not like <laughs> I, don't, I don't have I mean, part of things, so when, when I was living, I think sometimes it happens when you're in high school that you become like a super music head, like you kind of start like owning and cataloging your music. I don't, this is my theory, but, <laughs> but when I was in high school, I didn't really have access to music that I chose. Like I could, like you would hear it down the street. <laughs> uh, yep. And, and then yep. at one point yep. I did get like a, um, a radio but I was looking, I was like, I really specifically wanted to like try to, like, I wanted to hear hip hop because that's what I had started listening to in Philadelphia a little bit. And I remember like smushing my ear into the corner of the room, trying to like get this radio station coming out of Lagos. Um, you know, and it, it was just like, there wasn't this sense of like, I never knew where songs came from. Like, I didn't know who had made them or where they'd come from. I was right. just sort of like, there's a song and I like it. Um, and yeah. to this day, I'm kind of really mushy about music. So I was just like, I'll just find a song that I like and listen to it on repeat for a while, you know, and then I do that. I do that. Yeah. too. I do that. Too. But I'm, I'm not um, really much of a music head for someone who just presented themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I can relate. I didn't start having a real sort of like personal music like identity yeah. until recently mm -hmm. similarly i i didn't the music i had the music i was exposed to was everybody else's yeah. music and um the kind of kid and the way i kind of kid i was and the way i grew up it was uh it, it was me basically going with the flow and not rocking the boat and people pleasing you know and yeah. um i didn't I didn't really get music that I personally liked and had a real, real connection to until a couple of years. Yeah, the finding music has been um, a, a journey, yeah. like, and, it, and it's ongoing, ongoing still. Yeah. Um, what are you into at the moment? Oh well, um, I am 
I mean, it's a little basic, but I love Brock. Yeah. And I'm specifically in um, like a 70s sort mm-hmm. of era right now. And some country here and there, depending on the artist, um, like Orville Peck, I love mm-hmm. and Nick Shoulders. And um, but as far as like rock is concerned, like uh, Led Zeppelin is my big band. Mm-hmm. Um, like. The, the shirt I'm wearing today is Led Zeppelin. Um, <laughs> like I, it's, and they have such a heavy blues mm-hmm. influence. Mm-hmm. And so um, tracking that back through, uh, through the old blues is, is yeah. really fascinating too. Yeah. Listen, there was, there was a song I listened to for like three years, which was like, like a Nico song, like a velvet underground. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. the kind of thing that'll just yeah. kind of get stuck sometimes. In college, it was like Prince, who of course had been around forever at that point, but for some reason, it yeah. was like it felt new. Um, I don't know. There's just there'll just be like these like individual obsessions. Um, yeah, I can't. I, don't, cool. I have a very kind of loose relationship with music, um, but I just like it. You know, I mean, maybe that's enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's enough. I think that's 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 more than enough. I think, um, I mean, I I love people who can like as much as I love Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin. I don't know, like, I can't give you album mm-hmm. dates, and I can't give you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't give you set lists yeah. or, or or whatnot. I can tell you individual yeah. songs that I've liked, and mm-hmm. but um, I think just loving something to love it is yeah. enough. You know, I don't think it has to be like proved yeah. or you know justified or <laughs> in any of any of that stuff that purists like i like it for. when it gets in you you mm-hmm. know like when you like when you mm-hmm. memorize something and it kind of gets in the body a little bit like that's i think yes. that's what i i find useful not useful useful that's pointless pleasurable <laughs> um, pleasurable yeah, yeah. and then and then i think it does sometimes that does translate over to poems um, is once it's in your body, you could kind of um, put it <laughs> put it back out on stage. Yeah, somehow I don't know. Um, does any of your does any of the music you like uh, get like integrated into into what you write? So again, I think it's just another one of these ghosty things hanging out on there because it's not. I don't really. Yeah. I don't. I do readings every once in a while, but I don't do like, like a kind of, I'm not really in the performance poetry scene anymore. It's kind of a late night scene. I'm a, I'm an early bird at this point, you know, <laughs> and I don't, I'm, I don't really write for, perf- for performance as much. Um, so I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not singing anymore. <laughs> 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 not in not, public anyway not in public anyway not for not yeah. for a group um but I, again like, i think it's just in there i think it's just in the body like it's 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 kind of um you know so, so certain things about poems are always going to be hard they're just always going to be hard because it's, it's like yeah. you don't you don't know you don't know if you're just sort of saying the same thing you've always said. You don't know what you're saying sometimes at all. Yeah. Um, you are intrigued by two words being next to each other, making something like two sticks rubbing together. You're like, oh, maybe that's on fire. But then like the next two yes. don't make fire. 
and then you're like, do I want fire twice or is it okay? Like, it's the whole thing is very confusing. Um, but if you've got if you've got a little bit of the music, it's like the music will carry you a little bit. Like, it'll yeah, it'll carry you through the composition process. Like, you kind of know what the rhythm is telling you do something here and you maybe you don't you don't know what the something is yet but you're like this is where the something goes um Mm -hmm. so i I think that's where it 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 translates over a little bit because you're just like okay i know i need i need a sound like this or i need something i need the beat to come down at this moment you know, oh, yeah. So it'll it'll kind of get you through the composition, like you when you it'll it'll kind of carry you when you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there was um, there was this one, and uh, so the the funny thing, uh, like music sticking to you, and you don't don't necessarily know where it comes from mm-hmm. right away. Like I noticed in um with. Uh, with your art, you have a uh, some of it has some art to it, like a, a multimedia mm-hmm. sort of thing to it. And um, I do that. Um, I make collages mm-hmm. to go with poems sometimes. And um, I've been listening to uh, Bob Seger uh-huh. a lot. And um, I just, <sighs> there's a couple of really, really fantastic Bob Seger songs, like um, Beautiful mm-hmm. Loser. And that one stuck with me a long time. And I started writing this one poem and I made this collage and it's this um, magician sitting on a throne sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And uh, I was looking at it and then I realized I had basically recreated the cover art to the Bob (laughs) Steger song that was stuck in my head that it had like push this poem through i'm like wow i don't know if i'm gonna get in trouble for copyright on this one but you know hey (laughs) it just it was was shocking it was it was because bob seger sitting in this like tux in uh, this magical chair and i'd done basically the same fucking thing like all right but why not yeah why not yeah i mean it's like the images are there it's like you're working with image you're working with sound you're working with um you know, strange juxtapositions, collages. It's like it's it, mm-hmm. like every poem is multimedia in some way. Like it's kind of Ooh. um they can't help it. Is you can kind of yeah. put you could put Doritos in there and you could put, you know, like I don't know, you could put Doritos and sunflowers and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they can all go in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's something that was also kind of interesting was was going through these mm. different periods when I did had these kind of delusions about like what can and can't go in a poem. <laughs> you know, like what is the content? And I, I think those questions yeah. are like they were kind of they're kind of done now. Like everyone at this point, everyone seems to know that everything can go into a poem. <laughs> but I kind of came up at a time when there was a little bit more doubt about like what what were the proper subjects oh there's there's still they're still arguing about proper subjects and form of poetry like there's (laughs) the 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 big um you know big frowny face that's happening now with the uh surgence of like so like quote-unquote insta poets Mm -hmm. where where things are um 
you know, incredibly like boiled down and whether or not that's a valid form of poetry yeah and, and still still fucking arguing yeah. whether or not there's substance to yeah. it yeah no there's a lot of i guess gatekeeping um well that's for sure yeah it, no it's 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 it's, it's it, i like the landscape i like how it's kind of split open and sideways um at least compared yeah. to what what i thought it was at one point i mean maybe it was always a little more open but um yeah you can well, you, I think you, you can put anything in there you really can i i really like the um the way poetry seems to be a living thing within within itself mm. like lang- language is of course always always evolving language mm. is a, a living thing um and i think like poetry taps into that i think with more frequency hmm. where it really pushes like like music does but like you don't see that same sort of push in say you know novels or um, yeah uh, any other sort of form of writing like poetry plays with language um in, in in a way that I uh, that I haven't really seen other forms of writing delve into as much. It's more um, playful. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's just because there's so little to it in a way. Like I, I when I when I think yeah. about like um, when I'm working with all these, you know, my students and how some of them are in these fields where like. You can't do it if you can't buy a camera or you can't like you, yeah. you kind of you yeah. need um, you need the, this medium, you know, and there's something f- for poetry and I guess for me too, like coming out of a more oral poetry, too, where it's like you you don't you're already doing it when you talk like you don't you need so yeah. little like it really is kind of um again it's the body again right it's like you you can you can do this with your body i mean you can do it with dance as well right but um yeah 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 so for that reason you can really kind of get in get in there in terms of language because there's just there's nothing between you and the language right it's just it's all yeah 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 <laughs> but I have, but that, all that said, I have no idea where the language is going in terms of like the English language. <laughs> well, no, 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 like no, none of us do. Abra- Abraham's ah shit. I'll look it up later. But he will go through and like break down language, and um, he recently put up a video about the origins of the word feisty, mm. and. Um, that the that the root word is feist, which used to mean fart. Mm, really, wonderful. So like, yeah. yeah, I know, right? So when you're calling somebody feisty, mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be somebody who uh, you know basically farted, yeah. and you were calling them, farty. you know, yeah, farty. <laughs> and so like that's and the way it's like it's just sort of filtered down yeah. and become less and less of a. Uh, that's unless of an insult like there's like the punch yeah. taken out of it yeah um it's it's funny the 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 alphabet chat book there was a period when i had a different idea for it and the idea was actually kind of a cooler idea but i just couldn't quite pull it off um 
but I had I wanted it to be something like like a, a woman's dictionary. And where I got started with that was that um, I was interested by how many words there are for like a kind of like naughty guy. Like there's like a like there's really old words like like a a knave or ne'er do well or a. Yeah, I don't remember, but there was this long like if you look in the thesaurus or something, there's just like this huge number of like words for men or guys that are just sort of naughty, you know. Um, And then for women, there was like 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 you said, like feisty, saucy, there's adjectives, but then they get really horrible, right? Then there's a lot of really bad words for women. So, like, but it was just like, a, like just like a few adjectives, and then all these really terrible insults. And I really kind of was like, oh, I want all these. I would love this like proliferation of words for naughty women. You know, fifty or a hundred. Yeah. Like, why? Like, why? They're just just like a, a certain kind of not necessarily badness, not like evil bad, right? But like. Right, but like right, this right. kind of in between space, and obviously I understand why the language didn't produce that for women. That goes back into <laughs> like all sorts of things. But I, I wanted to like play with it, and then I didn't really know how to do it, which is fine, you know. And then I wrote mm. this other thing, so it's 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 like it's the Mariah Carey story again. It's like I want to do this, and then it's like, but then I do that. Yeah. Um. But that that little chapbook was really all about initially about like. Um, I would open up this thesaurus that I liked a lot and just put my finger down on a word and then start writing a poem. And I, I was kind of interested in like how um, your limitations kind of force you Ooh. like to yeah. be creative um, because like you want to do, yeah, like basically I just said it, you want to do thing A, but then you can't yeah. you get to like a and a half um that's um that's something that's that features a lot and i mean a lot a lot a lot in uh <laughs> in things that i've been reading as far as um the creation of of anything that the mistakes you have mm-hmm. the failings that you have are actually what become your work yeah. and become your style become your signature like that's that's where you are not like co- copy copy your heroes right. and co- continue to copy them badly because that's where you are yeah like which is well, that's where you can find out what you can do it's so comforting to read and it's also so easy to see once you look yes. back and you're finishing something but when you're in the middle when you're in the middle of it it's 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 no fun at all no <laughs> Do do you find um, difficult or challenging or like what's between writing poetry and writing your essays mm-hmm. is is can you do them at the same time? Do you have to get into a certain mindset? Um, is there a different way of approaching them? That's a really great question because I'm in the exact right moment to try to answer that. Which is, um, <laughs> this, I, I'm in a I'm in a poetry group um, or a couple actually or. Which I think, by the way, is like the secret to keep to keeping on writing. Um, oh, once I you get out of here, you know, <laughs> if, if you're, yeah, if you if you're not doing it in school, yeah. if you just you have someone has to be listening. Um, so anyway, I've, I've some of sometimes this writing group 
will write like a poem a day in a month. Um, and a lot of those poems are absolute garbage. It's like sketches. You're like, you just, you sketch and it's whatever. Right. But the problem is I've been doing this for so many years and um, I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of poems and I'm extremely disorganized human being. So <laughs> it's, it's become this thing where it's like, I know that I know that I have enough material for a book um, and I sort of know even like what it could be about. Um, there's some themes and some things and, and, and I've gotten some poems published. So I've had a couple sense that like, okay, some of these are pretty good or someone thinks they're good. So I could work with them. <laughs> so I want to put this book together, but I also have started doing some research to, and I cannot talk about the, um, the, uh, not put the essay stuff that I'm doing right now because it's just too like I'm um, really in the weeds with it but I'm trying to write that and put the book together and I was like well, it won't be too hard because you already wrote the poem so you're just gonna put the book together right. and then write these essays um it's good because one of the things because they're both impossible <laughs> and so like when I, yeah. when I hit a complete wall with the one I'm like well that's okay I'm not an essayist anyway I'm really a poet and then I go over to my poetry uh -huh. and like for a second or two I'm like yeah 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 because it seems so much easier and then I'm like oh crap this isn't quite <laughs> you know and it, I guess I'm back to this Mariah Carey like limitations thing like I think it's helpful for a certain kind of person to um, not do, not be able, not have to do things directly. Like my mother says this, she's always just like you, you approach everything like a crab, like kind of sideways, you know, like I, I can't, yes. I can't like, I can't just like sit down and attack something. I have, to, I have to kind of like sidle up to it. Yeah. Um, and so having more than one project, you know, it makes it sound very, like I'm very organized and very productive. I'm moving between my two projects. Like I'm just avoiding them <laughs> constantly. But it's more like a, <laughs> it's more like an oscillation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sliding back and forth to get away from the other one. You know? <laughs> um, but then you, you kind of get things done without noticing it. Yeah. You know? I've noticed that yeah. too. Yeah, that things have to be looked at um, through the cracks. Yeah, peer through the keyhole mm -hmm. instead of like opening the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, we we touched a little bit on it, but like, what what what's your relationship with with creation and inspiration? Like, is there is there a difference between inspiration, desire, and motivation? Hmm. Wow! Yeah, um, yeah. Because and for the record, I don't have I don't have answers for these stuff. So like, no, 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 no. no. So, I, don't, I don't think anyone. No, yeah. no worries about like. Good. Yeah, no. It's really interesting because I think what we were just talking about just before the, mm -hmm. the sidling back and forth mm -hmm. that has to do with like motivation, I think, mm. because it's sort of like I want to do X. I can't do it, so I've got to go over here. I got to go over there. It's like this kind of fight you're having with yourself. Yeah. I want to do this thing, <laughs> you know. 
Um, yeah. I'm going to leave Desire alone for a second because that's an interesting one, but I would leave, leave that for later. Inspiration, I think, like for most people, like it's that thing, like I think it means the breath of God, right? Like it's supposed to be... <gasps> Yes. It's supposed to be something. I'm sorry, not to, not to like be shocked that you know that. Not to be like, oh my God. But, you know. <laughs> uh, it, I think it's supposed to mean like, I mean, there's this idea that it happens to you. Obviously, the people who are really working hard have also, you know, I've read, you know. Right. Inspiration only comes to prepared souls. Like you have to be ready. Like it's it's about work, blah blah blah. But it really is a thing that can happen. You know, where you it, it's like the world reaches up and grabs you, and yes. and it's it's that's not about you and your will. It's like something something is beautiful, something is interesting, something is strange. It doesn't come from you. Yes. It comes from outside. You know, is it inspiration is that thing from the outside that like shows up and that really doesn't have very much to do with desire or motivation, except for that. Those people who say, I wish I was quoting someone properly, but the, you, you can do things to yourself to make yourself more open to inspiration. Yeah. You can organize your life that way. Um, yeah. Or whatever your small bits of free time or your mind, you can organize it so that you're more open to it. But it is—it comes from somewhere else, and that's the beautiful thing is you don't—you're not in control of it. Um, yeah. But like then, motivation I think is more—you know—I want to do this thing. I'm trying to do it. Desire. <laughs> um, Hmm. How is that different from motivation? I mean, it's a more it's tricky, it's a sexier it's word. Tricky because it all it's but it's. I think yeah, I was thinking that desire is a good word for when you're really in the middle of the art making process, uh-huh. and so the inspiration maybe is what gets you like all like you get the, your blood's running hot. You you wanted something as beautiful. Maybe you don't even want to make anything. Maybe you just want to feel the feeling of being inspired. But then the desire yeah. is like when you're kind of in, you know with this in the throes of desire, right? Like it's, it's like you're yeah somehow it's controlling your body. It you want yes. to do something. You want to finish the poem, make do the dance, paint the painting. Like that's that's desire. But none of these things are. You know, motivation belongs. I mean, maybe it's just because I've heard so much corporate speak around. You know, motivational speakers. And, you know. <laughs> motivation is like, would it, would it, would I like to be a poem, a poet who has is you know somewhat recognized? Sure, yes, I'm motivated mm. to to do that. But that's a little different from desire and an inspiration, which is really the fun part. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But you, you, the, maybe you need all three. I love that you have these three words kind of hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 one of those things that I, like I've been thinking mm-hmm. about, and part of part of why so why, you, why I did all this is. Um, oh Lord, um, I don't have a firm one. Ask me on it. Mm-hmm. Ask me any day. Ask me any other minute, and I'm going to give you a different yeah. answer. But. Um, Part of part of the why I wanted to start the podcast, aside from just having a, a connection uh, to other creatives, etc. So I needed connection, but I was really fascinated with the idea of of inspiration and the way it takes hold of people differently, mm-hmm. and like and why and what and 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 what is that driving force? And 
we all have these different ways of approaching inspiration and getting getting through it and making use of it. And um, I, I honestly don't have like a set answer. Yeah. Uh, there's like you mentioned, like inspiration, like being like the breath mm -hmm. of God. And there is there's there's a Welsh mm. word uh, for inspiration um, called Alwyn. Mm. And it's translated um, in a couple of different ways. There's song, uh, but there's also breath. Mm. And it means like a, a divine sort of inspiration, like, you know, from from the gods, the Alwyn is coming through you and you become a uh, a conduit mm. and 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 a mouthpiece for that all mm. and that's kind of where where this was started this idea of it being a a, a, a sort of altered consciousness yeah. consciousness sort of concept yeah. when we're doing this stuff it's almost like a, with, for example with john he says constantly I mean, not to name drop, but like yeah. <laughs> i just talked to him um but <laughs> he he says that he doesn't know where these things come from and that he calls himself um, stupid, which I refute hmm. constantly. Yeah. But I, I know, right? But he like he has his poet self and he has his regular self right. and never the twain right, shall right, meet. Right. And it's really yeah, fascinating. It's and and it, it falls in line with, with that idea of it's something being that works through you yeah. for a purpose. I'm so scared of that. I'm so scared to say that. And yet it can feel that way. It can feel that way. Right. But it's not as mm -hmm. if when, when I, you know, it feels that way in the moment that when you look back at your like crazy manuscript, it's not as if, oh, something was speaking through me that made this messy. <laughs> yeah. you know? For me, anyway, yeah. um, the, the sense that, that, that I'm sort of in touch with, with something in that way is uh, you know but it's really interesting though because it's this is like i mean I, this, this is my mother's kind of language for being being folklorist but mm -hmm. it, it it really is this kind of toggling between the sacred and the mundane and we just have to do that you know what i mean yeah. it, it's just kind of what life is it, it, there's you can't stay in the sacred space all the time um mm -hmm. it, you, you kind of not yeah. in like not a, yeah, not in like an active yeah. way. There has to be, there ha, there's a cyclical nature mm -hmm. to it, and um, which is something that we all we all talk about. We talk about saying like we've got uh, writer's right. block, or um, you know, nothing's coming mm -hmm. through, or, or any of that. But and I, I've just finished um, getting through with one of my favorite authors, um, uh, uh, Clarissa Pinkola mm -hmm. Estes. And I, I love her. If you haven't checked her out, she works with folklore mm -hmm. and uses the Jungian lens to um, uh, dissect folklore and how it affects Ooh. us in, 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 a, in a subconscious Ooh, way. Give me that name oh, one more so time. So cool. Clarissa Pinkola okay. Estes. Doctor, excuse me, Doctor Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Pinkola Estes. Okay. Mm -hmm. She wrote uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves and a bunch oh, of other I ones, like the one, yeah. yeah. Uh, she did uh, Warming the Stone Child, which is a fantastic mm -hmm. one about um, um, 
nurturing the self. And um, there's the one I just just finished, and she reads all of her audiobooks. So if you um, look at her audiobooks, I recommend them because she reads them herself, and she's a fantastic storyteller. Mm-hmm. She comes from a family of mm-hmm. storytellers, and it, it it's through everything. So listening to her is like speaking with an mm-hmm. elder. It's mm-hmm. it is so cool. Um, and she, let's see. And of course, Pathways to Bliss, which is all connected to mm-hmm. it. But um, uh, the Creative Fire, which is uh, the one where she's talking, talks oh, a lot really famous. about I've heard of them. the. I just haven't read them. <laughs> oh, the, like I, I hadn't read um, uh, most. Of, like I'd gotten through uh, Women Who Run with uh-huh. the Wolves years yeah. ago, and it was a transformative yeah. book for me. It's one of those books that I recommend all okay. the time for everybody, and I. Uh, I buy extra copies mm-hmm. and like give them oh, away. <laughs> like every everybody exactly. everybody needs to read it. this book. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, she talks about the cyclical nature of of inspiration and that you can't have like that forward momentum without without the dip. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And that's just that's just part of that's part of the creation you can't be in that high space all the time because it's gonna it's gonna tap you out you have to and it's going to no matter who you are and how you're connected with it it, no matter what you do you're gonna dip it has to um like like seasons or anything Mm -hmm. else it's gonna have um low points yeah it's also interesting what our relationship is to the things that we've produced. I mean, so if we, I, I mean, I like this talk yeah. of like, okay, I made this thing and I was a little bit in like something, maybe kind of like a trance state when I made it. I feel shy saying mm-hmm. that, but like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Uh, <laughs> Don't. Like, yeah. <laughs> I completely yeah. understand. <laughs> then it's sort of like, does that mean it's good? Does that mean that it's saying something that people need Ooh. to hear? Does that mean that it's, it has it, does that mean it wouldn't ever harm anyone? Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I do. I do. To kind of give up responsibility in that way for the thing that you've made because it didn't feel like you made it. You know, I mean, I guess that there are people who are wow. thinking much more with more tools about the relationship to the subconscious than I am. But it is it is interesting about, in terms of like our relationship to this, these products. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like if I, if I didn't feel like I was there when I made that, um, does that make it yours? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. know. Like, um, it, and that count, that's, so what point does what we create actually, I mean, can anything that we create, can we even really call it? Hours if we're taking it from a source of like this moved through me right. to create and like something. you were saying with the, you know? the image that were then afterwards you actually could find like oh I reproduced this other image you know yes where it's mm-hmm. it's it gets very I always get in trouble it's with muddy. this particular <laughs> question because um, when I'm being an artist thinking like an artist and teaching young artists. Um, I have, I'm in this again, I I use the word mushy a lot, but I'm in this sort of mushy state where I'm like, well, you don't know where your ideas are coming from. You're picking up things from everywhere. Like everything belongs to everyone. But I teach introductory essay writing with just like citation and like 
it actually really <laughs> matters like where you found this and you know, when it was yeah. published and who said it and whose words are these um so that there's this kind of interesting thing where like the little slightly academic side of me and the 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 responsible academic in me that's teaching these students is like you have to know exactly where everything comes from um right but because i'm talking to artists we have to have this other conversation too which is like well there are going to be these other fields where the questions of like copyright and ownership and inspiration right. are so much more complicated um mm -hmm. but Anyway, that's a kind of a big topic. <laughs> what have you been reading lately? Oh, I, well, I'm, I'm still reading yeah. Recklessness. I, I recently had like a, a depressive phase. I felt this one coming on and I, and I had like a three week mm. dip of um, death, mm. more or less. And um, like, no, not to scare mm. anybody, you know, yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. But <laughs> my, my relationship to these depressive um, episodes has uh, changed, thankfully. And I don't actually look at it um, as necessarily a bad mm -hmm. thing. Like, don't get me wrong. Right, it sucks. Right, right. It yeah. sucks. You know, you have all of the, the, the inner, your inner prosecutor and your, all the shit yeah. going on in your head. And it's, it, it's yeah. crap. But if you... I started looking at it as a way of, um, in terms of folklore, mm -hmm. actually, I was just talking to one of my friends um, about the concept of the trickster uh -huh. being a catalyst for that kind of depression. Mm -hmm. Like they come in, in, in story, so a trickster comes in and they shake everything mm -hmm. up. They knock you off balance. They cause a bunch of shit and a bunch of trouble and you have to sort through mm -hmm. it and 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 figure it out and i was looking at it through that lens mm -hmm. of the trickster is there to push things forward mm -hmm. and if you're going through this period try looking at it in a way of rebuilding like what did it upset yeah. what did it try to shake mm -hmm. up and come at it from from mm -hmm. that angle as, as a way of like this got in somehow yeah. and something needed to be shaken up so sort yeah. it through you know and um use that to climb out of the well and um, sounds very yeah, useful. so that's <laughs> it it can be and it's a great tool and i gotta tell you it's not easy right. i'm not saying that i do this very right, well right. <laughs> i'm saying it's like it's a practice well, you know it's not a problem no, i mean i don't even really like practice. saying that it's it's useful because if i say that it's useful then i'm saying it's not real like it's like a tool it could be real Ooh. you know I get, yeah um, yeah and i so I started looking at it through 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 that lens, mm. but um, so I didn't read a whole mm. lot. But I um, I did listen to Pathways uh, uh, Pathway to Bliss, Joseph mm -hmm. Campbell, which um, I, which I mean it's antiquated, mm. yeah. of course. Yeah. The the there uh, I mean this was written in what was it the yeah. early nineteen tens nineteen twenties into <laughs> into into the fifties something like that. All of his like collected essays, right? And um, so the the views of gender, yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> are antiquated. Are, 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 I read it and I put it down for a little yeah. while, and I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but if you <laughs> like, if you if you take out 
like it's a product of its time for sure but the timelessness parts in it are still uh relevant mm-hmm. and and useful yeah. so listening listening to that was very helpful and then um i actually got uh a couple of books from and i'm gonna have to pull it out because i'm not gonna do her name right oh i've got a giant bag of all the books that i read <laughs> next to me all right here we go um let's see i just got bad animal by katherine brought fottenhauer oh, okay good title yeah, really good title. Fantastic yeah. cover too. Can you see the the mm-hmm. horned woman with the red yeah, with the red? Oh, that's so it's so cool. It's so cool. And then uh, through Ethel Zine, uh, a, a small collection called Small mm-hmm. Geometries, which I'm kind of afraid to actually touch and annotate like yeah. I usually do with poetry because it's so gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it's it's all hand done. Oh. Ethel Zine does all of the, like hand does everything and so they these are fantastic these are um like feminist um poetry and i just finished uh today um in the back there oh yeah this 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 right back here these are red these Uh are red and then i have uh to be red here in Uh the stacks Uh and um see i just finished uh mules of Mm -hmm. love uh ellen bass and uh, love poems oh, by and I'm and, and I'm not going to say her name right, but I'm going to try. Idea Villa Rino Villa Villa Rino. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, she's not as well known here. Yeah. Um, I actually I um, ended up hearing about her on some of the poetry uh, groups that I follow oh. online, and I went through that. And uh, oh, her poems. I mean, I love Ellen. Mm-hmm. Bath. Yeah. she's yeah. everybody. I mean, she's. I don't need to talk about Ellen Bass. I mean, yeah. I could, but everybody. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, Villarino's, her stuff is so sharp. Mm. Like, it is It is so, I called it a, uh, a collection of knives. Uh, and, like, okay, so here's one called So What? And she's, um, I take your love, so what? I give you my love, so what? We will have afternoons, nights, intoxications, summers, all the pleasure, all the joy, all the tenderness, so what? It will always be lacking the deep lie, the always. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So it's the only collection that I've been able to find that's like bilingual mm-hmm. uh, everything else is in in mm-hmm. Spanish so uh, again uh, polyglot in right. theory not so much in practice <laughs> well this is why we you know we need the translators you know. yes good ones not that there are I mean there's not terrible ones but yeah, <laughs> but we, yeah. Didn't, we wouldn't know <laughs> um, <laughs> that's true that's true uh, so who are you reading right now um, I just started something that I, I think might be interesting. It was recommended to me by a friend, and um, it's called God, Human, Animal, Machine by Megan O'Giblin, I believe. And I, I'm not, I'm not through it, but it's already like she's she's been thinking a lot about the kind of deep questions. Um, about like what is a human um, 
but it's really accessible you know it's not like because I, I don't yeah i don't in the summers particularly but really at any time um i actually do really appreciate someone kind of breaking things you know teaching kind of breaking things to one. yeah, yeah. You know? um and yeah it's quite beautifully written so i'm, I'm reading that um I was reading some Iris Murdoch, who I didn't know much about, oh. and it terrified me. I know the name, but I haven't read this anything. This novel called The Sea, The Sea, that was about like marriage. It was really frightening. It was amazing, but it was really frightening. Um, Ooh, what made it frightening? Oh God. Um, hmm. Well, you can't say that it was realistic because within the first couple chapters like the main character sees a sea monster you know so it's sort of like okay so that's what we're working with we're working with (laughs) somebody sees a sea monster yeah but but it is actually very realistic like the way that it's written so then suddenly you're like was there a sea monster and the character himself isn't totally sure um ooh and then you realize that the character is like the worst human you've ever met. So you're locked in the mind of this like horrible guy, but he's so delusional. And you sort of think you know what's going on more than him because he's so delusional, but then it turns out like you're wrong too. So it's just really scary. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you were said you were talking. So it's, is it like, like a, like a kind of creepier Melville? No, it was, it's not. Like, it's not. Well, yeah, I guess to some extent, sort of, but it's, it, it certainly isn't trying to be a horror movie. It's about marriage. <laughs> well, I mean, mm, we could, we, we, well, um, <laughs> I guess that would depend on your experience with marriage. <laughs> um, but the, the main character is not married. He, he wants, he wants to break up a marriage and like reunite with, this like woman he was in love with when he was like 15 um but it it's so bizarre and my dear friend noelle recommended it to me and i was so excited because i was like sure her taste is just killer i was like okay um and i did love it because it was just so well written and it was so interesting but i was like was that the weirdest thing you've ever read and she was like i don't think it was like i didn't find it that weird and i was like i was very weirded out and it seemed it would think it was published in 1978 and it reminded me of like things that like came out in 1978 like movies where you know yeah there might be some drugs involved like it's you just you're not really sure you know but it's amazing and it does hang yeah. together and it's just like i don't know so that's that was my introduction well, to that's a- murdoch um well, I'm, that's on the list. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's not. It's uh, it's not cheerful. I'll say that. It's not oh, I, I, I am. I am not. I am not the kind of person who uh, who needs my stuff yeah. to constantly be re- reaffirming my positive. No, I, I, I like. I really like the stuff that's very yeah. honest about um, how shitty things yeah. are. Then you might like this book because it what i found so weird about it was that it like it just has so many registers like one moment something really awful is happening and you're just like oh this is really awful and then the next minute there's just like a really ordinary conversation you know huh. all right i'm yeah. gonna, i'm definitely gonna check that out um, yeah 
Yeah, I. You know, it's funny that you say that. I, I think I'm one of the few people I know of all. You know, I hang out with a lot of, of writers here because um, I, I teach with all other writers and we flock together in general. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't want to actually. I like really. Like I will. I will reread children's books. Um, I will read cookbooks at night. <laughs> Like I, very, yeah. I sometimes want to. I want a little cozy, like um, Smurf cottage to hide in. Ah. <laughs> yeah. so um, it's, it's very funny. Enjoy- like I know a lot of people who are just sort of like they're comforted by other people explaining how awful things are. But I'm like, I get that. Yeah. I also really kind of, um, I enjoy the fantasy. <laughs> I really enjoy like magical mm-hmm. realism as a genre, and so that's um, like uh, Alice Hoffman, mm-hmm. um, who wrote uh, Practical Magic and The Dove Keepers, and um, so I, I I I love that uh, that element yeah. too. There's um, if you like the combination of uh, I'm gonna have to find the title a combination of uh, cooking and storytelling there is one i think it's called peach sugar let me double check peach moon maybe peach sugar moon that's another cool title it is uh let's see no google google i know right maybe i should just steal that one for myself uh why does google suck so much now <laughs> I'll, right. I'll i'll find it's i know i know exactly where it is on my bookshelf uh like across it's like from my i have and, um, and recipes no, it's um, she is she's a baker, mm-hmm. and um, the way she bakes, um, like it goes into like her food, and her food becomes um magical mm-hmm. in 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 the making, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's really fun. I'll I'll find the title and I'll I'll link it for everybody who's curious, but I'll make sure to send it to you. Um, but I it's over there on a, <laughs> another bookshelf, and I'll have to dig it out. Um, <laughs> I have, there's no I'm 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 not for lack of books mm-hmm. around me. Um, <laughs> no dearth of books. <laughs> I have a, a, an embarrassment. <laughs> of books <laughs> and where are you everything's again? like double stacked oh i'm texas. in texas i'm in oh, texas i've never been <laughs> um don't worry about it uh seems <laughs> well, uh, like an important place <laughs> um it's a big yeah. place it is it's important historically mm-hmm. um personally personally um i i could uh deal with a, a new location mm-hmm. but um, I'm also I'm it's very hot yeah. here and I am not I, I am not a summer mm. creature despite having a uh, summer birth I I do not like the heat so much <laughs> and and here I am in a desert state this is working out well for me how did um everybody's coming out of of the word work now that lots of people are pretending the pandemic is over yeah um but did did the pandemic and the height yeah. of it um did that affect how you approached your writing or what you did with it or um or what came out of it um well in the there was definitely the, the a period you know when we didn't there was that really scary period when we didn't know if it was like inside or outside or if you touched things it was yeah. there. like so there was that period where you didn't know where it was I don't really remember how mm-hmm. I think we coped with that by like cooking um uh. 
A lot of yeah, people coped with it. So many people started people sourdough. Um, yeah. But then when, once it was kind of clear that you could go outside as long as you didn't see other people too much, or like, I thought you couldn't be near other people at all. Yeah. Um, I live about uh, a little less than a mile from Prospect Park. And oh. I started going there and it was kind of like that was my new friend. Like I yeah. and I got very, you know, I, I have some difficulties with the tension. My tension's all over the place. Um, I'm not not in a quick way, but I just like there's just a lot of static going on. And and when when I would go to the park all by myself, sometimes like in the deep of winter, which I hate the winter. I hate everything in the huh. <laughs> So we're, we're opposite. Yeah. Or I did hate the winter, but then I would go and I started seeing, you know, I started really looking at like the clouds and like the really the tops of the trees, how they were like the spindly little limbs and how they were small and like and then it was like this huge excitement if like a cardinal came by because it would be this huge flash of red and everything was like great you know yeah. so I started feeling almost like I would go there and I would like live in a painting and I felt very safe there were very few other people in the park um and whenever I was there I just felt like I'm okay here and I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which that's a kind of a funny statement that I have been thinking yeah. about too. I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, which was just looking at stuff. That's interesting. And, that is interesting. Um, like not necessarily like the, the real height mm-hmm. of it, but um, let's say a yearish afterward, because um, there was a huge upheaval in my life and um, aside from the pandemic, lots of things happened at the same time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, if I didn't have that, what the pandemic offered me was that space, mm-hmm. that space to to have uh, not so much no expectation, but just space mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. general, um, because it used to be very hectic. Yeah. And that's it, the pandemic just slowed mm-hmm. everything right the mm-hmm. fuck down. And if if I hadn't had if the pandemic hadn't happened, I don't know how long um, it would have been before I'd actually gotten back into poetry, because I hadn't written anything in like intent um, until uh, until the pandemic. Like it had been like ten tenish eleven years, and um, and then suddenly I'm writing poetry, yeah. and it happened because of like crazy ass dreams. I I got this one. Um, poetry book and his poems gave me these incredibly vivid dreams the kind that wake you up at three o'clock and you have to write down and um that it was fantastic and that just sort of snowballed interesting like it's it's affected everybody differently some people have um talked about like how they stopped writing altogether Mm -hmm. uh some people you know how it brought them closer to their Mm -hmm. writing or but it's it, every creative has dealt with it uh, in very fascinating and interesting ways. That makes sense to me that it would just kind of be different for everyone. Um, yeah. The the actual poems I wrote from that time are kind of dull. Um, I, it's like as if a lot of the voices in my head weren't there because there were no people around, you know. Mm, so yeah. it wasn't. And it, it wasn't like it. It didn't feel 
in terms of the actual stuff that I made at that time, it didn't feel super like fertile. But mm. um, something happened that was just more visual, I guess. That was just ooh, like ooh. like an ability to. Also, I mean, this is something I wrote a poem about that I might um, do later. But like, I actually had an eye problem during the. I was yeah. going to ask you about that because um, you wrote about it in the um, on your yeah, site. Yeah, and um, that was terrifying, and I, I can't even really really talk about it. But the the kind of um, the ultimate effect was really interesting, which was that I got really interested in seeing because I was like, okay, so the eyes themselves are damaged, but. Right. Um, my ability to see is something that I have a little bit of control over. Like my ability to look or observe is something that I can do. Um, and so I got really fixated on looking. Um, and really, as first, especially when it first started healing, really fixated on like how exciting it was to just see something, um, I don't know, just like the crisp edges of it and the that it's not yeah. moving of its own accord. <laughs> like, or if, it, or if it's moving, it's because it's actually moving. It's not because my eye is making it move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I got like, kind of interested in reality. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Um, so there, something happened that I think I'm still... I'm still trying to figure out how to put words to, um, but it yeah. is something that I'm, I'm hoping is a thread in this manuscript that I'm putting together, like, is is just, you know, it's kind of super incoherent, but like something about looking, because I know something happened. Um, yeah. In terms of my ability to see um, after I had the eye accident and after I had been walking around in the woods by myself for like days, you know, not days, but like every day. Yeah. Um, and I also started painting and my paintings are pretty rudimentary, but that really changes your relationship to um, what you see if you have to take the time to try to recreate it. Even if you don't do it well, right. it's like, it's such a huge exercise for your brain to just try to reproduce what it sees. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally changed like so much of your perspective. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. but I don't know how to name it really because it's like obviously, like before yeah. it happened, if I see a squirrel going up a tree, I see a squirrel going up a tree. And now I still see a squirrel going up a tree. Like, it doesn't, it's hard to put into language what's different, but I just, I just seem to see it more clearly, um, even though I, I still. Technically, cool. that's that is that is interesting. Um, that is really interesting. That gets um, that type of um, upset, mm -hmm. that type of uh, tear mm -hmm. in our concept of reality mm -hmm. and how we relate to our reality um, and how we digest it is something that's actually brought up in um, the creative mm -hmm. fire with um, with uh, Clarissa. Mm -hmm. And uh, she she talks about that quite a bit, but um, the, it it separates you, like you become something outside of what other people would know 
and your own previous concepts of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm always I'm always nervous about that kind of thing because I'll tell you why. It's because my mother's a folklorist, and yeah. she has all these sort of you know she's given me all these sort of origin myths. And I was an only child until I was 13. So I have to be very careful yeah. about, <laughs> about <laughs> mythologizing myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, I do. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm seeing anything super special, but I, I do know that, like I, I told you, I like fantasy. I like, you know, reading my cookbooks before right. bed. I like... I read a lot of, um, my mother's a great storyteller and she would make up stories and I read a lot of fantasies, like, you know, the stuff that came before, way before J.K. Rowling, there were already all these magic books, yeah. you know, and so I was reading the old ones, oh, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I like fantasy, but I think I got more interested in, there's no such thing as reality, right? So I can't say I got more interested in reality, but... I got more interested in seeing what kinds of fantasies I, what kinds of lenses I had been putting yeah. over whatever is there. And I still, I won't say that now I see what's there. I think that that's not true. I can't see what's there. But now I can see what's between me and what's there. Ooh. You know? And, yeah. And then that's, that's a kind of... I don't know. Disillusionment, lifting of the curtain. I don't know what the the word would be, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I still don't really know what's there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's part of the, I mean, not to get too lofty with it, but that's, that's right, the mystery exactly. of it. Like, um, you know, how to, how to describe the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't have yeah. word either. <laughs> but it is funny how how many metaphors. I mean, everyone's noticed this, but like going back to the language thing, mm-hmm. like you know, all of our metaphors about knowing are like you know, I see now. I, you know, I've seen yeah. all, all the enlightenment stuff. Like I, you know, and it's almost kind of funny to try to like actually have a conversation about your eyeball <laughs> <laughs> and like how. <laughs> How like when it can and can't see like what does that mean for your reception of knowledge? You know, Ooh. so I don't know. It's it's. I am excited for the collection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's trying to find a really you know, cool. the word. I can't. I have a colleague who wrote a beautiful book, um, Jenny Shea, called Eye Level, and I was like, damn, that's digging. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what. Anyway, I'm still struggling. Um, it'll come. It'll come. When you're not looking yeah. for it, when you're when you're when it'll it'll happen at the edge. Yeah, of your exactly. Ooh, yeah, call it the, the edge vision. of vision. Peripheral. So how do you feel about uh, share time now? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> this is the end. Um, and as many as whatever you would like to read, um, as many as you would like to read, I welcome uh, any and all. Please, I want to hear everything. <laughs> um, let's see where I put my stuff. Just one moment. So this one is, um, it's, it's, I was reading a book. We were just talking about books um, called Your Inner Fish. 
Um, that's kind of about like the history of all of your body parts, the, the really important ones that you share with other animals. So it's like your eyes and your spine and your teeth. Um, that's cool. And kind of like how, um, well, anyway, I won't give away the poem, but so I wrote this <laughs> poem and I, it, it's a very weirdly angry poem. And it's because I think I realized that I was angry about, um, humans trying to separate themselves so hard from animals um so that's really weird oh. like, it's very anti-human which like now with ai and all that i'm like yikes i don't want an anti-human problem <laughs> 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 um so anyway here it is <clears throat> who rattles the cage who rocks the boat whose hands like to handle whose mind likes to soap you were mapped on the same broad design as the shark. Where you swallow, she gills. Your nerves share the sparks long fused like a cartoon rope to a bomb. You were cells before head, not unlike a worm. You're a blob, you're a tube, whirled into fractals. You've got fingers, big deal. Just as easily, talents. Everything's got something that's kind of a spine. So a human's complex, whatever, that's fine. Build to weep and to whoop, but like why? For how long? Go on, abstract like a labyrinth. You'll still dissolve like a song. That's it. <laughs> you, um, you still dissolve like a song. Um, oh, I loved so it. I loved it. That's me talking smack about humans. <laughs> no, see, I, I actually. You know, I don't. I hear the anger in it, but I also hear the uh, the the want of connection mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, you know, um, it's it, it's yeah, it's very against separation. Yeah, it's. it's I don't know. We we are. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never been. Yeah, I've never had pets or anything, so I'm not even really like a big animal person. But I do think. There's a connection. <laughs> I do too. I do um, too. All right. Um, so on the shark theme, I also have. Um, I have wanted to be one of the deep water women, not wind gnarled, foam flecked, not tossed by flimsy sheets of light, but good and far down with barnacles lacing flank, shin, with fish scales in my hair. Down there, in the crusted dark, I can hear the nothing. My blood beat against silence, my mind sharking. Oh, that is that piece. That's nice. Um, we have a shark theme. <laughs> I like, I like that the, uh, the the turning it into a verb. I like that. Um, I have another deep water women one that's totally different from that. Um, <clears throat> after the movie, the matinee, subway back to Brooklyn, window scene, panels, aluminum, plastic, bluish tile, February melancholy. Melissa McCarthy played a mean, sad woman of uncompromising choices and literary devotion. Lurid, they said her life was. A lurid literary life. Whiskey, cat boot, flies, 
New York City winter. I am beside the sty- side stitching. The stuffing of that life tumbles at mine. Half my hair is already white and I'm at Hoyt Street. Somebody wild has entered the car and knocked trash off the seat with her foot. Her hair is mermaid hair and she is middle-aged. We fit in the slot, the engineered tunnels. I will write a poem called Deep Water Women in which time stops outside the water and no one in the city can age or progress until all of the old mermaids have finished their swim. Doesn't it feel good to near your house, your own seawater washing your organs, your stars, your friends in your mind like a crown all around, your own tongue lolling, cooing any song with your fine mermaid mouth? Ooh. Can I give you a, a book, uh, an author yeah. rec based yeah. off that? Okay. Uh, two, mm-hmm. actually. I've got uh, the first one is um, Leslie J. Anderson. Okay. And her book is uh, Take This to mm-hmm. Space. She uses uh, fairy tales um, frequently mm-hmm. in, in her poems. And it's uh, she has these wonderful um, siren poems. Mm. Uh, and then Seanan McGuire. Hmm. She writes uh, this really fantastic um, Every Heart uh, Doorway series. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. You will pick one and just, there's no stopping. They're all okay. gorgeous. They're about these um, young lost mm-hmm. children and who are hurting. And they go somewhere and there's a door. Uh-huh. They have to decide right then and there if they're sure that they want to continue on and can go with this journey into these mm. fantastical other realms yeah. where they become part of it. So they um, they become mermaids. They become they become um, horror figures. Uh-huh. They become horses, uh-huh. and they all get shoved into these different worlds. And then some of them get tossed back into like this reality and but they are forever changed and they're looking for ways to either assimilate back into what this is now or to find a way back to those those other realms and every every book is just heart rendering (laughs) (laughs) they're so good they're so good i'm gonna have to I haven't have like I'm like okay the first three recommendations I was like I'll remember but now I'm like oh no I'm gonna have to go back. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know it's it, I can please, I can send them please, to you um, and and I'll put them of course I'll of course put them everything I mentioned I'll I'll, I'll put in the notes so they'll be there. Put in the notes. But, okay, um, I, I do I yeah I uh, I I recommend I I share and recommend a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean. This is how you get the best kind of, I don't know. It's like this octopus in you know, all the arms of the octopus. Like you're just, you're just like, okay, I'll go over here. I'll go over there. Yes. Um, oh, should I do another? Yeah. Do as many as you please. Yeah. This is a slightly longer one with a lot of words in it. Um, but this is directly about the eye. No, I think I would, because given what you said, I think I want to go to this one. So this is also about seeing differently, you know, the seeing thing. So it's called grabbing the lamp by the neck. Ooh. Um, new idea occurs to me. Never be a person. Never become one person. Forget the dream of coherence. Allow the messy selves to take their turns. My room, my brain, glow tungsten wire. My shape is now arbitrary. 
forming a finite fact in an infinite sky. The lamp is smug in elusive position. For now, says time, like a cartoon villain. What piece? To be an orange buoy, bobbing in a choppy aquamarine sea, unphotographable, mind on the move, snow bank blown apart into roses, white roses. And then also about eyes, I have this longer one, which is a lot of words, but I'll go for it. Okay, revision. Go for it. I'm here. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Now it is gold everywhere. It's gold in the leaves and the smears along the stone and in the houses and then slipping into the houses and dancing with the shadows to form patterns and the patterns, how shall I say, making sense, being at a glance in one of the thousands or millions of arrangements that do not defy physics light and matter behaving themselves, at least mostly. And this is how I know that my eye is healing, that the blood splash in the vitreous that cast onto the world its own garbled designs, interrupting reality with its shadowy churning is fading, though in truth it is not fading. In truth, streaks of blood will always stain the inside of my eye, but that my mind inside my skull reforms. It can sometimes happen that the mind inside the skull over thousands of hours detecting mosquito, oil spill, spider web, and the cloud that is not there will tell itself that is not there, that is not reality, and drawing out of itself some little eraser gently begins to run eraser over spider web so that a little more gold and leaf and streak along the stone and darting into the house comes into view, behaving more or less as they should as dictated by our little earth's little laws of light and gravity, as if reality is king. But should I not call this process magic? That one's wordy. <laughs> it's, oh, so, uh, I was just thinking, I mean, wordy, hush. No, it was perfect. I was just thinking you can really hear the musicality mm. of it. Yeah. Shut up, being too wordy. It's perfect, perfect. It's exactly what it needs to be. And here, my loyal listeners, I would normally do a nice, cute little wrap-up with the guest, but my audio dropped for the uh, for the final ending. So uh, I'll just say, guys, you can find Mara's work at marajebson.com. Uh, it's also in the notes, along with every single bloody name we mentioned. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, take care. Stay well. Cheers.